SEP Fanfic Readings presents The Journal by Mezzi Chapter 34 Almost a month had passed since Ginny Weasley had stood trial. The ruling came quickly, and she had been found guilty of all charges. She was sentenced to fifty years in Azkaban prison. The depth of her obsession with Harry and her hatred for Hermione were now well known across the wizarding world. As a result, the entire Weasley family was feeling the wrath of many. One of their own had cursed the Chosen One in the Golden Girl. It was indefensible. No one seemed to care that there was a third casualty, though. The last member of the Golden Trio. He had been cursed as well. He had his free will taken away. He was forced to do things that he never would have done, not in a million years. But he was being ostracized along with the rest of the Weasley family. He heard the whispers as he walked down the hallways at the Ministry, or the sidewalks of Diagon Alley. He felt the eyes watching him. He saw people crossing the other side of the street in front of him. He sat down heavily on an empty bar stool at the leaky cauldron. Within seconds, the seats on either side of him were cleared off. He rolled his eyes and put his head in his hands. Don't worry. It'll pass. It always does. He raised his head in time to watch a beautiful blonde slide into the seat next to him. Her hair hung straight down, all the way to her waist. Her pink lips tilted in a sardonic smile before she raised her hand to signal the bartender that she was ready to order. It took him a moment to place her. If he remembered right, her older sister was in his year at Hogwarts. Astoria, right? This was probably the first time they had ever spoken. That's right. She sipped the fire whiskey that Hannah had set in front of her. Something else will happen soon enough, and no one will remember why they hate your family. Trust me, I've been there and done that. She winked at him, and he found himself smiling. What you are saying is that infamy is kind of like fame in that matter. Yes, I suppose it is, she laughed. He smiled at her. It was the first genuine smile he had in weeks. Or was it months? He couldn't even remember any more. Thank you for your advice, Destoria. Any time. She smiled at him again and flipped her long hair over her shoulder. The golden strands brushed across his arm. In a moment of clarity, he realized that he had been alone for a very long time. Would you care to get out of here? He asked quickly before he lost his nerve. You aren't going to lock me in a dungeon, are you? Her blue eyes sparkled with mirth and her lips tilted up in a laugh. That all depends. He leaned in close and dropped his voice so that no one would overhear. I hear tell that some women are into that sort of thing. Are you one of those women, Miss Greengrass? Her breath caught in her throat, and she licked her lips. He took that as a yes. He stood quickly and paid Hannah for their drinks. Every eye in the room watched as they left the tavern together. He didn't mind at all. After Ginny's trial, Draco and Hermione took a much-needed holiday. They spent two weeks in the States visiting Hermione's cousin— two weeks in Italy at the Malfoy Chateau, and two weeks in Greece exploring ancient buildings and mythological sites. One evening, Draco found her sitting on the balcony of the hotel room, twirling the betrothal ring around her finger. "'What are you thinking so hard about?' he asks as he sat down next to her. "'It's a good day,' she said with a smile. "'I was thinking that today would be the perfect day to get married.' He looked out over the city below. The weather was perfect— the setting was beautiful, and of course his bride-to-be was feeling well that day. It truly would be perfect. 
I think there was a bridal shop just down the street, wasn't there? There was, she smiled. It's settled then. Go pick out the perfect dress, and I'll take care of everything else. The smile that lit up her face was quickly becoming the smile he lived for. She moved from her chair to sit down on his lap, wrapped her hands around his neck, and kissed him deeply. She pulled away just as quickly and practically skipped away in her excitement. Draco watched her in amusement until she left the hotel room. Then he started making plans for the evening and sending out messages to their closest friends. Hermione searched through dress after dress until she found the one. She knew it as soon as she saw it on the rack. When she tried it on, it only proved that she was right. It was white satin, with an empire waist that was covered in a thin band of diamonds and emeralds. The jewels formed flower patterns along the hem that seemed to sway as she moved. She returned to the hotel room to find Draco gone, and a note directing her to the hotel gardens at 11.30 p.m. She ate a quick dinner by herself, and proceeded to get ready for her impromptu wedding. When she stepped into the candlelit garden, she realized that a full moon shone overhead, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was absolutely perfect. Soft music began playing as she walked down the short stone path towards the fountain in the middle of the garden. To see several people waiting for her, Draco stood in front of the fountain. Her eyes met his and everything else melted away. It took her a long moment to realize that Minister Shacklebolt was standing next to him, and the small gathering of people consisted of their closest friends. Harry and Luna sat together in the front row. Blaze and Wendy were behind them, along with Theo. And on the other side was Ron and a blonde woman that she didn't know, but who looked vaguely familiar. Simply knowing that Draco had gone out of his way to ensure the people that meant the most to her would be there to see them get married, even when there was only a few hours' notice, meant the world to her. It only served to solidify her belief that she was doing the right thing, and that she was truly with the person she was meant to be with. The ceremony went smoothly, and at the stroke of midnight they kissed for the first time as man and wife. They spent hours laughing and dancing with their friends in the garden, before retiring to their room for the remainder of the night. They spent hours wrapped around each other, making love until dawn broke on the new day. Only then did they drift off to sleep, ready to start the rest of their lives together, neither knowing exactly how long that would be. Draco and Hermione cut their honeymoon short when they received an urgent message from Bill asking them to meet them at St. Mungo's. They could only assume it was regarding the PCS curse, so they wasted no time in returning home. The next day they sat together in a small room waiting for Bill. Hermione's knee bounced up and down repeatedly as they waited. Her shoulder was also twitching, and occasionally her hand would tighten into a fist or jump off her lap. Her symptoms were steadily getting worse, and Draco was getting more worried by the day. They had found that the symptoms would get worse until she had a seizure. Then it would start all over again. It had been several weeks since her last seizure, but they both knew it was coming any day now. They were both hopeful that Bill had good news for them. Draco, Hermione, I'm glad you were able to make it. Bill entered the small room and shook both of their hands. Follow me. They were led down the hallway and through a set of double doors, then into a room that Draco recognized. It was the observation room he had been in when he watched a curse-breaker work on Ron months earlier. Through the window, they could see a man in his thirties asleep on a bed. Mr. Mason's family has agreed to let us try to break the curse. He entered stage four PCS three days ago, Bill explained. 
Hermione stood against the glass and watched the still form in the other room. She was only too aware that that would be her fate soon enough, unless Bill was able to break the curse. She was vaguely aware of Draco and Bill talking behind her, but she paid them no attention. Soon enough, Draco came to stand behind her, and Bill entered the next room along with two of his colleagues. I'm not sure I can watch, she muttered as she leaned back against him. What if something goes wrong? Then they'll keep trying until it goes right. Meaning, if Mr. Mason died as a result of the procedure, then they would wait until someone else went into stage four. That did not serve to make her feel better. I feel so useless, she sighed deeply. You know better than that. She nodded, not really agreeing with him, but in no mood to argue the point. Then they were silent as the curse-breakers in the other room began slowly unraveling the curse that was intertwined with Mr. Mason's spine. The three of them worked together for hours, slowly and tediously removing every trace of the blackness. Hermione watched them carefully, studying their every move, memorizing the charms that they had used. Finally, the exhausted men stepped away from the hospital bed. Hermione held her breath as they waited for Bill to turn towards the window and indicate if the procedure was successful or not. Draco's hand on her waist squeezed, pulling her closer. His lips were next to her ear when he whispered, Merlin, look at his eyes. She quickly looked away from Bill and looked at Mr. Mason instead. She watched in astonishment as his eyes fluttered open. It worked, she whispered, relief flooded through her. Draco wrapped his arms around her and spun her around in circles. It worked, he reiterated before kissing her. In the other room, the curse-breakers were explaining to Mr. Mason that they had removed the curse that had been plaguing him for years. He would need to be held for observation for several days to ensure that the curse was well and truly gone. Two healers joined the group and began examining the formerly comatose man. They did not seem to be nearly as optimistic as the curse-breakers were. Bill joined them a few minutes later. He looked exhausted. So, the curse is gone, he told them with a relieved smile on his face. What did the healer say? Draco asked. At that, the smile fell and Bill shook his head. There seems to be extensive internal damage to his blood vessels caused by the curse. He spoke grimly. But still, he has a better chance now than he had before, yeah? Yeah, sure. Hermione answered flatly. The elation she had felt moments earlier had deflated. How long do you need to recuperate? Draco asked. It was obvious the three were in no shape to perform the same procedure again that day. Let's wait a few weeks, Bill told him. I want to make sure that Mr. Mason is cured before we go again. Thank you, Bill. Hermione stepped forward and pulled him into a hug. Draco opted to shake his hand instead. An hour later, they were at home eating takeout. Hermione picked at her food, but her mind was a million miles away. Draco watched her with trepidation. He was worried about her once again. What had seemed like a giant step forward over the finish line had ended up with another step back. Suddenly, she dropped her fork and stood from the table. Without a single word, she left the room. Draco released a deep sigh before following her upstairs. He found her in the potions lab spreading several papers out on the table in front of her. What are you doing? He asked after watching her for a few seconds. My research. The potion. I had it. 
He ran his hand through his hair and sat down next to her. What? She stopped what she was doing and turned to face him. I had it! The potion I was working on! I got stuck trying to stop the progression of the symptoms. That was the most important piece. She paused and waited for him to catch on. He raised his eyebrow but said nothing. When we discovered it was a curse, I stopped looking, right? Because I knew the potion wouldn't cure PCS. Right, he agreed, but he still didn't see where she was going. I don't need to cure PCS. I just need to repair the blood vessels that have been damaged due to the curse. He glanced down at the papers she had spread out. They were the list the two of them had worked on when she first came to stay with him. The last ingredient I was looking for. I don't need it. Everything I need is right here. His eyes widened, and he finally understood. All you need is the final formula. Their eyes met, and finally she smiled. I just need to work out the arithmancy. She practically vibrated with excitement. With the ingredients laid out in front of them, they started the tedious work of calculating portions, timing, and the series needed to maximize the desired output. Hermione was fighting against her symptoms, ignoring the headache that was throbbing behind her eye, and letting Draco do all the writing since her hands were shaking too much. Finally, he made her stop for the night and take her medication. She went to sleep almost instantly. He continued to work, and by midnight, he had the calculations complete. He was exhausted, so he welcomed sleep almost as much as she had. The next morning, they returned to the lab. Hermione reviewed his calculations, and together they interpreted the results and developed a formula. By afternoon, Draco had begun mixing the potion. It was a complicated potion that would take three days to complete. Hermione couldn't help because her hands weren't steady enough, but she was there every step. She watched as Draco turned her three years of research into reality. It had been a week since the last time they had visited St. Mungo's. This time, they came armed with a potion that was three years in the making. Bill completed his exam of Mr. Mason, and determined that there was still no sign of the curse. The healers examined him as well, and determined that the damage to his blood vessels was not healing. They offered him an experimental new potion that could have the ability to cure him completely. Bill was sure to mention that it had been developed by Hermione Granger, the brightest witch of her age. He held the vial of purple potion in front of him for a long moment, studying it and weighing his options. Then he took out the stopper and swallowed it in one go. Hermione held her breath once again as she watched him. His hand fell limp and his eyes closed. His chest continued to rise and fall as he slipped into a deep sleep. For a full hour he slept. When he opened his eyes again, everyone released a sigh of relief. The healers examined him once again and declared that his blood vessels appeared to be normal. Draco wrapped his arms around Hermione and breathed a deep sigh of relief. You did it, he whispered in her ear. No, she shook her head against his chest. We did it. It was definitely a group effort. Despite their success story with Mason, they were not given the green light by the hospital administration immediately. Over the next several weeks, the curse breakers and the healers continued to monitor his progress and ensure that there would not be a relapse. Meanwhile, Bill and Draco worked together to document their process and present their findings to the hospital board. Hermione was having more bad days than good. She had a seizure the night they returned home from St. Mungo's. It was followed by several days in bed before she was able to move about freely and without pain. 
the good days were limited before the muscle spasms began again. In addition to Hermione, there were still others out there that had been afflicted with PCS. There were ten known patients remaining. Most of them were more advanced in Sage Three than she was. After long deliberation, it was decided that they would be able to remove one curse each week to allow for rest and recuperation for the curse breakers. It was also decided by the board of St. Mungo's that they would go in order of the most advanced cases first, then working backwards to the least advanced case. Hermione swallowed thickly when she read the authorization letter from the board. Three months after Mason had been woken from his coma, the procedure and the potion had been approved. Tears flowed as she realized that in a few short weeks, her nightmare would finally be over. 